Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. And a very good Wednesday morning to you as we welcome you along to the programme with John Paul taking your calls at 0818 103 103 and I'm actually looking out the window and it seems to be snowing at the moment but it's a very wet ground that it is landing on and of course Met Aaron have issued two separate weather alerts warning of hazardous uh, conditions which includes localised flooding, sleet and that snow that I'm looking out at at the moment there is a status yellow wind warning. It's been in place since 10 o'clock last night it's for the whole of Munster and uh, Connacht and the warning remains in place until noon today and it's due to very strong and gusty south to southeasterly winds Met Aaron say there will be heavy rain today with that sleet and snow in places and the danger is because we've had so much rain over the last few days as well that we could have localised flooding also poor driving conditions so do be careful if you're out and about. Now a clear is to develop across the west and southwest into the afternoon and we can expect some sunny spells to develop later on but it's going to be a bitterly cold day today. We're not expecting temperatures to go higher than 2 to uh, 6 degrees uh, Celsius. We have a largely dry night tonight but again another very cold night so wet and windy today. Stay indoors I would suggest and if you have somewhere to go I would hold off for as long as you can and wait until hopefully those sunny spells will arrive at this afternoon. And I want to start by saying a huge, huge thank you to each and every one of you who have donated to the C103 Ukraine crisis appeal that we're running in association with the wonderful Red Cross. And just to acknowledge, I received in the post today a handwritten note with a cheque made payable to the Red Cross uh, appeal Somebody's saying, I don't do computers. <laughs> and it's just signed a Cork Octogenarian and it's a donation of €50. Euro. So thank you for that. And just to acknowledge that that has arrived safe and sound and I will get that post haste to the Red Cross. And just before I came on air this morning, I was trying to get the latest update on how much has been donated across our radio group and our figure now stands at over €45,000. That's incredible. And when we only launched this appeal last Friday, there's been such an outpouring of generosity by people right across uh, this country. But we all, we, I all, well, I certainly know my our listeners here to C103 are always beyond generous whenever we launch any appeal. So a huge, huge uh, thank you. And you can still donate. That appeal is still o- open you go to our own website c103.ie forward slash aid very very simple way for you to donate whatever you can and you know I've been saying this during the week and I was saying it 
particularly when I was speaking with Charlie Lamson from the Red Cross, all of the small donations mount up. You know, if you can only give as little as five euro or ten euro or you can be generous like our octogenarian uh, with the 50 euro or maybe you're a business and you can afford to give even more or maybe you're a household that can afford to give any more, uh, please do because every single cent of that money goes to the Red Cross and they're on the ground. They're on the ground in Ukraine and they're on the ground in the neighbouring countries working with all of the refugees that are arriving and of course they'll be to the forefront as well and they are to the forefront here in this uh, country when the refugees, the refugees have already started to arrive but when we if we expect to get more refugees going forward from Ukraine, the Red Cross of course are are already on their website if you go to redcross.ie if you have a room in your house, if you have a spare building, maybe you've got a holiday home, a vacant property that you're willing to give up to house these war refugees then the Red Cross are at the forefront of that and I know up to yesterday they had 3,000 offers and I saw this morning that that's gone to over 6,000 offers from people who are either saying I've got a room I can house, you know, people could come and live with us as a family uh, or people saying I've got an empty property so people once again being extremely uh, difficult, uh, extremely uh, generous. Redcross.ie if you have an offer of anywhere to put up some of these refugees when they start to arrive in one issue that I suppose is affecting so many people and it's as a direct result it was partly as a direct result of what's happening with Russia invading Ukraine and that is to do with the rising cost of fuel and the rising cost of home heating oil. I couldn't believe yesterday on the home heating oil some of our listeners got home heating oil delivered yesterday. One listener was saying 500 litres and they paid over 700 euro for it and somebody else was drawing a direct comparison with kerosene home heating oil that last week I think it was at 98 cent a litre and yesterday it was going up to 1 euro 45 so it's it is really starting to affect people and of course when you go to fill up your cars we all know how much more expensive it is to get the, the fill so we're waiting to hear from the government because we're hearing on the news today that motorists we should see a reduction in fuel costs it should kick in from midnight tonight the government is expected to introduce a emergency measures, cutting the price of diesel and petrol by between 15 and 20 cent a litre. There's talks of diesel will be reduced by 15 cent a litre and petrol will be reduced by 20 cent a litre. Effectively, what they're going to do is kind of have a mini budget, which means then they would... by doing it that way it means the reductions can come in literally from uh, midnight there's an unscheduled cabinet uh, meeting that's happened this morning or is to happen this morning then that will have to be followed by a dull uh, vote and of course all of this follows the US President Joe Biden's announcement yesterday they've put a ban on Russian oil and other energy imports obviously all in retaliation for what's happening in Ukraine now America don't take a lot of oil. It's seen as more of a tokenism what America has done. But we knew that the minute Joe Biden announced that, we knew that the price of petrol was going to go up. The Finance Minister, Pascal O'Donnell, will be bringing this proposal to the Cabinet uh, today. Agricultural diesel, we're going to be speaking with farmers actually in a couple of minutes. They have a lower rate of excise duty, so that will be cut to a smaller figure, but the ratio of the reductions will be the same. The government obviously have been under huge, huge pressure 
pressure from the general public, especially since the price of petrol and diesel passed the two euro mark in many Irish forecourts all over the country this week. So the degree of urgency will stem from the fact that the VAT measure requires a doll uh, vote. They have to do it this week. They have to do it quickly because this day next week, we will be heading into the start of our four day bank holiday weekend. And obviously the government won't, will be in recess. So they need to get everything done this week. The government will also expect in the government to reveal details of how they plan to deal with the number of refugees that will be coming from Ukraine over the coming days, over the coming weeks. Temporary crisis measures are already being put in place. Things like hotel rooms are ready. They're also looking at things like modular homes. There's talks of defence forces, accommodation, like the old army barracks. Could any of those be used on top of those offers that I've mentioned of housing from the uh, from the general public? Uh, it could be that Ireland will be expected to take. It could be up to 100,000 Ukrainians. We still don't know how many we're going to going to take. We still don't know how many Ukrainians are going to want to come to live here. Uh, obviously, at the moment, there's been, I was trying to get the accurate numbers. It's because I know yesterday we were looking at over 2,000 Ukrainians have already uh, arrived. It looks as about 2,200 uh, uh, people have already come. 40% of that figure are children. Now, two thirds of those who've arrived already have family members, so they've gone straight to stay with their family members but there's over 600 people who arrived didn't have any place to stay so they have been put up in hotels so there's a special meeting going on today we'll have the ministers like Heather Humphreys Helen McEntee Rodrigo Gorman they're all formally opening what is a fast track process centre that would be a Dublin airport for Ukrainians when they arrive off the plane the facility that will there means that as soon as they arrive they'll all be issued with a PPS number they'll be given a medical card any other associate benefits that they need and they'll be given that before they actually leave the airport so they really are putting a good system in place and the Taoiseach Michal Martin has warned that it is likely that it will have significant impact on uh, Ireland because of the invasion of Ukraine. The ministers have heard that the fourth round of EU sanctions they're being prepared that's to try to further punish uh, Russia and as a result of the proposed ban on the Russian fuel the government now is already looking to source more of our coal from Colombia the war in Ukraine has sparked Europe's worst refugee crisis since the Second World War the UN are already saying that more than 2 million people have fled and that figure could go up to 5 million uh, people and you know looking at the news coming out the, for, the Moscow forces, they're just laying siege on many of the larger Ukrainian cities. Some of those cities have been cut off with food, with water, with heat, uh, with medicine. I mean, it is just a growing humanitarian uh, disaster. Now, buses, buses that are covered with the Red Cross symbol, you've, they've been seen all over Ukraine. They're carrying water and medicine and food and they're trying to get into some of these cities, including places like the, the Porta of Mariupol uh, yesterday. That's where some of the worst scenes have been uh, witnessed. Mariupol have been without power for many, many days now and it means that the people who are stuck inside Mariupol, they can't get out. They're relying, it seems, on car radios just to try to pick up any kind of radio you know, station where they can get any news of what exactly is going on. And there was a video address yesterday from the Ukrainian president, uh, President uh, 
Zelensky and he was the one who reported that a child had died of dehydration in Mariupol. I mean, that just shows how desperate that city has become. And I have seen this morning that Russia and Ukraine have agreed a day-long ceasefire around a series of evacuation corridors to try to get the civilians uh, out. And let's hope that those ceasefires will be respected because unfortunately we've seen in the past when they tried to get people out that the Russians started uh, shelling them. So a really, really desperate situation. But once again, to each and every one of you who have donated to the C103 Red Cross Appeal, we say a heartfelt thanks. Now a lot of the political uh, reporters out of Dáil Éireann are reporting that the Cabinet has signed off on cuts to fuel. 15 cent cut in excise duty for diesel, 20 cent cut in excise uh, for petrol and for green diesel a two cent cut and the measures will come into effect from midnight so if you need to fill up hold off today you'll get it cheaper tomorrow now that obviously is pending Dáil approval but that is expected uh, to go through the Dáil today and that measure will remain in place until the end of August okay so 15 cent on diesel 20 cent on petrol and two cent excise cut on green diesel and when I mentioned our Red Cross appeal a couple of people wanted to donate cash just to let you know we unfortunately can't physically take cash for the Red Cross here at the radio station uh, but if you go into a lot of super values are collecting cash for the Red Cross and we also heard yesterday that somebody said some of the post offices are collecting as well so if you check in with your local super value uh, and our local post office just to see are they collecting cash donations for the Red Cross but unfortunately we can't take cash donations here and I do have a little bit of good news for people in uh, Mallow to do with a road closure that's been going on for a number of weeks. This is the road closure between Kylie's Garage and Super Value. That is being lifted from today. Now, I don't unfortunately have a time, so I don't know if it's at the end of the working day or not. And what then goes in place is a four-way traffic light system, and that will be in place from today for four weeks. But the road will reopen between Kylie's Garage and Super Value. And I know that's been hugely inconvenient. I got caught, even though I knew the road was closed. You know, the way to forget about it, and I drove down and I had to go all around the houses literally in that area in order to back track and uh, turn around again but it's been hugely convenient for people that live in that area uh, so uh, thanks to uh, Warden Burke for updating us on that 0818103103 John Paul taking your calls Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group for motor home business farm life and health insurance cmig.ie I'm looking out the window and there's quite heavy snow falling at the moment now the ground is very wet so it isn't landing but there's quite heavy snow be very careful there's quite uh, dangerous driving conditions out there at the moment and a couple of people have already been on to us uh, thanks to John uh, who's contacted us on Twitter at C103 Cork to say there's plenty of surface water on the N71 from Inishannon to Cork especially from halfway roundabout to the viaduct people need to slow down and take care and then thanks for that John and Ina in Middleton was on so she was out driving and said there's lots of surface water at the Lake View roundabout in Middleton. People need to take care as the water can be quite distracting, particularly when you're driving around the roundabout, so please drive with uh, care. Now yesterday, the Minister for Agriculture met with the main farming organisations to discuss the disruption to the sector as well as the current market situation due to the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. The meeting was as a result of the Agriculture Minister asking farmers to plant wheat and other grains on some of their lands this 
year. Kieran McAvoy is chair of the IFA Grain Committee and Kieran joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Kieran. Good morning, uh, uh, and you're very welcome to the program. Uh, firstly, before we get into what happened yesterday, were farming organisations taken by surprise at the proposal that all farmers should plant some crops this year? Did that come out of the blue? Yeah, yes. Look, if I could start, Patricia, just by saying, you know, um, uh, IFA and the Irish Farmers Association would just like to, you know, so show our support and solidarity to the Ukrainian people and to the farmers of the Ukraine. You know, while we we're talking about a crisis on maybe food in this end of the world, you know, we never thought we'd be talking about uh, war on the, the continent of Europe and just you know the, the suffering and the humanitarian situation that's there is dire. So just acknowledge that. Well Look at it. I suppose we were very shocked. You know, my phone uh, has been ringing constant since uh, Friday, but particularly since uh, Sunday with the, the articles in the paper. We were very shocked, yeah. It was the first we heard of it. And I know this same ask was made of farmers during the Second World War, but Kieran, I take it farming today is very different to farming back in the 1940s. Indeed it is, yeah. yeah. Look at uh, the tillage sector, you know, uh, counts for 7% of the land of, your, of Ireland, uh, of the workable land. And, you know, it's a very specialised uh, game, machinery, you know, uh, inputs are so high you have to get it right this isn't a willy nilly you know grow a bit of cardin here or grow a bit of cardin there that's not going to work it actually you know in, in even in the 1940s you know there was parts of the countries where there was some of those crops sown that were never harvested well, so like we don't want to put that situation on the table you know but we do rely on Ukraine and Russia don't we for grain we do to a certain degree, yeah. We, we would get about 30% of our uh, supply of, of, of maize and those kind of grains from the Ukraine and uh, we would get 20% of our fertiliser from Russia, you know, but, you know, they control a lot of the world market of urea and different products like that. We, are, we, we have become very reliant on, in Europe in general, we've become very reliant on, on other parts of the world for our supplies and this is a, a failed policy that has been coming for the last 10 or 11 years, you know, against active uh, producers and, you know, the farm organisations, all of them there yesterday, are willing to work with the minister, willing to work with the department. We'll put our wheels to the show, you know, or, uh, you know, to shoulder to the wheel, every side of right. And, you know, we won't be found lacking, but, you know, there'll have to be incentives there and there'll have to be, uh, you know, uh, a major rethink of the whole food uh, security system for Europe. You know? Yeah, and I know yesterday when we, you know, mentioned that you were going to... to this meeting with the Agriculture Minister. One of our listeners was making the point that if farmers did switch to crops, could there be a danger of a fodder crisis if there wasn't enough silage in hay? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, we have a very uh, uh, large uh, animal sector, you know, uh, live, uh, you know, beef, uh, dairy, all those sectors, they, and sheep, and they all have to be protected and minded. You know, there is probably, to be fair to the Minister, there is probably some scope on some farms in certain areas where, where, it's, where it's practical, there is some scope maybe to, to, to uh, sow some more grain, you know. But it'll be limited. It'll be limited. Did you feel at the meeting yesterday, was there any sense of a plan on behalf of the Minister for Agriculture? <clears throat> Look, I'm not here on the radio to slap any minister or anything like that, but there was absolutely no plan as far as I'm concerned. Um, we were a little bit shocked about that. Um, look, we have made commitments, you know, we, we got commitments that we would meet again this week. Uh, you know, like there's there's a very short window uh, of opportunity here for to get this right. Uh, you know, we have to secure the fodder for, for the animal uh, sector in this country. Uh, that should be no major issue. But I mean, there's availability around diesel, there's availability around fertilizer, the cost of those who 
inputs are just spiraled out of complete and utter control. You know, that has to be got right. And then whatever area can be planted, extra to grain. And also the grain farmers that's there are struggling to, you know, secure supply of uh, fertiliser and diesel. Like, uh, you know, there's, it's, it's, it's a major problem. Would you say that's the two biggest problems facing farming at the moment? The cost of fuel and the cost of fertiliser and the availability of fertiliser? Well, on my farm here, definitely they're the two big. They're the two big ones. There's other issues, but they're the two biggest ones at the moment. It'll be supply as well. It's the guarantee of supply. Is what I'm I'm, I'm looking for out of the department and the, the government that diesel will be made available to the agricultural sector. And we're hearing now, we're waiting for the Dáil to sign off on it, but we are hearing from our political uh, reporters that the Cabinet has signed off on the cut to excise duty for diesel and for petrol and a two cent cut in excise duty for green diesel. That will be for the farmers. That's got to be welcomed. Look, everything's absolutely not. No, it'll have to be uh, whatever carbon uh, taxes on diesel uh, at the moment will have to be removed. Uh, all excess duty off of green diesel, the rest of it will have to be uh, removed. And, you know, um, we're talking about putting in more carbon taxes here. It may these, these things have to be suspended. We're in a different uh, dynamic than we were, you know. Look, at farmers have been saying for a long time that food security is not being, uh, you know, highlighted. It's not being dealt with. And we have had failed policy, basically, in Europe on food and on energy. So now is the time, you know, uh, we need to get realistic here. What are our priorities in, 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 in Europe and in Ireland? And food security has to be the first thing. And, you know, any, any, any barriers that are in the way of that may be removed. OK, and, you know, hearing that with the fact, and I think, you know, a lot of listeners would be surprised to hear that we actually import 60% of all of our grain is, is imported every year. I think people were surprised to hear that it was as much as that. So even if farmers decided to, to sow uh, crops, it isn't just a simple thing of sowing the crops and then we'll be fine and we won't need to have to worry about the 60% of grain we, we import. Because I, I take it, I mean, do we have mills and, you know, to process the grains? Well, look at, um, you know, there, there is mills there to process the process. Is there? Grain. Okay. Yeah, yeah. They, you know, they, they're, 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 they're using, they're, they are grinding that kind of six million tonnes either ways. But storage would be an issue. Listen, you know, this is really about that, you know, we, we, we highlight there's a major problem. We need to make sure, first of all, that there's enough uh, food, you know, in the country. And, you know, uh, I can't see us moving to a position where we're going to go, uh, you know, an extra four million ton of grain. It's not going to happen. It, you know, we're on the eighth of March. I, I like, particularly in in Cork region, a lot of planting probably would have took place last week. People have decisions made. You know, uh, the dairy herd, the beef herd, and the sheep herd. They still have to be fed this winter. Uh, and, you know, and we can't jeopardise that. And 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 you know, they're in a position to do that. But the availability of land is going to be a major issue. You know, from a tillage point of view, and on the grain committee in IFA, we we feel that you know the tillage sector. Uh, needs uh, a refocus here. We've been laying it for long enough. The acreage is declining and slipping too much and we've become too dependent on other parts of the world for our feed supply. Yeah, I can see a number of our listeners are saying the same thing. The general public have no regard for farmers until food goes scarce, says one listener. And someone else says, why didn't the government look after the tillage farmer when they were growing corn? Instead, they threw them to the wolves because it was cheaper to import it, make more land available to the tillage farmer instead of growing little bits all over the place. But more than anything, we need a plan. OK, uh, Kieran, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And uh, thanks for joining us this morning. 
Okay, thanks. Good morning uh, to you. Uh, bye-bye. The, yeah, that is uh, Kieran McAvoy. And Kieran is chairman of the IFA Grain uh, Committee following that meeting yesterday with the Minister for Agriculture. 0818-103-103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Thank you to Morris who's just contacted us to say that there's been a crash at Leary's Cross near Castle lines and the road is blocked and Morris's advice is to avoid please drive with extreme uh, care out there uh, this morning and also thank you to Tina at uh, Dano Supervalue in Mallow to say that that road that I mentioned between Kylie's Garage and Dano Supervalue is now open uh, we know that they were going to open at some stage today I was wondering what time it was going to be done so it's now has been reopened that's between Kylie's Garage and Supervalue and a four way traffic light system remains in place then from tomorrow for the next four weeks. Now, while it is so, so difficult for all of us to watch what is unfolding in Ukraine following the invasion by Russia nearly two weeks ago now, for Ukrainian nationals living in Ireland, that must be multiplied by a hundred times. My next guest this morning is Natalie Zaruba, who is from Ukraine, but she's living in Mallow for the past uh, 15 years. Good morning to you, Natalie. Good morning, Peace. And uh, firstly, how are you doing? I'm well, I'm coping well because I'm talking about it. Uh, it's just to consume it all, it's harder. Yeah, it's just a news coming every day with more horrendous scenery. So there's no actually positive news yet. But yeah, it's just hard. And very hard, I imagine, for you to believe what is going on and what is happening in your beautiful homeland? Yeah, um, the video coming over from beautiful gardens, fountains, um, university theatres, it's get to ruins at this stage. Every, everybody's posting how towns are changed and you're never going to see the beauty of the towns you used to see. So, yeah, it's just, yeah, it just shivers. Sending shivers down my body, yeah. But you're a strong people. You've got the world behind you. Your country will be rebuilt. I guarantee you that. It'll be rebuilt and it'll be stronger and more beautiful uh, into the future. We just have to get through this period and get this horrendous war uh, to end. Uh, Natalie, what family members have you currently living in Ukraine and where are they and what is their situation like at the moment? Yeah, I spoke to people yesterday. Um, they do have connection um, in Western regions, especially. So, yeah, I have family in Kharkiv, uh, and um, my sister moved to Kiev because of the talks of the, the gloom situation was kind of uh, in the air for a few years. Um, but so, my family mostly in Kharkiv, and... Um, I have cousins, I have um, nieces. Um, I could say now about two families left in Kharkiv because um, they they were hiding. They Few families have like elderly and young um, and they just hide themselves in the basements for at the beginning because bombardment um, started, I think, day four in Kharkiv. Um, so they just, uh, first reaction goes to the basement. Um, so they went to the basement with the minimum and the dogs and, 
hiding and hugging the dogs for the heat. Like there's no nothing going on down down. Um, but um, there's um, after a few days they they did come out and um, gather a few belongings and there is no hope to stay for young ones. They just took um, I don't know did they they rent the car. Some people didn't even have a car, but like yeah, they just took the car. Um, I know um, my cousin Dasha. She jumped with her two kids. She didn't have husband next to her. She just took the kids and jumped in the friend's car. Barely any belongings. One bag maybe for kids and stuff. Um, and moved to Western Ukraine. Um, took them. Some people take uh, the, like a week ago. It took them seventeen hours. Uh, the week after, it takes them three days. Henri, and you you have a plan, I believe, for your mother and your sister to get out. Well, yeah, because after hearing, like, there in Western Ukraine, it's kind of quiet. There is no direct bombardment, but, like, there's um, um, alerts coming over sometimes, but there's no bombardment. So they were thinking maybe they will stay for a bit, um, but at this stage... uh, I feel more fear for them, so I would feel that I would take my 86-year-old mother. She would not go moving as easy, uh, so I have to save her, and I have to save my niece, is 20, and uh, uh, they wouldn't move together. She's 20-year-old, can't push the wheelchair for long, so I have to take my sister, but the husband can't go. Like, there's no man crossing the border. Um, there's... Um, I actually find out that people who are involved in the, um, like, weed growing or some uh, agricultural activities or some necessity services, they don't have to be in war, but they can't leave the country, but they have to work to produce produce the agricultural produce, probably, and um, all men who stay, women allowed to come. Um, so I was just um, arranging for my sister to fly, but... Look outside, it's snowing, it's really cold out there, so she probably will go next week, maybe the weather will be about plus 10. And so then you'll your, your plan is to try to go to the yeah. border and collect them if possible, is it? it well, uh, yeah, crossing is very long. Crossing mm. is, could take 15 hours at this stage, um, but me go longer than 15 hours, so like, I don't know. Um, I may not actually make it to, with my flight. I'm going on 16th. I'm flying, and I have to just um, come as close as possible. But I think they will already cross by then. They're trying to cross on 15th. Just saying, yeah, they will come. And your Sorry, mother. Yeah. I'm thinking of your mother, Natalie, at 86. God right. help her leaving leaving her home country. And how is she health wise? Yeah, she's. Um, I'm. Praise God that there's no heart issues. Yeah, there's no heart issues. The arthritis. She's barely moving because uh, her all joints are crackling. She's had serious arthritis everywhere and God most of the joints. Yeah. That's going to be yeah. a, to- a tough, tough journey. Tell me then, you've got an amazing cousin who is a gynecologist in Kharkiv. Tell me yeah. what, what, and she sent you out and you've, thank you for sending on some photographs uh, to us. Talk to me about how that hospital is and a maternity hospital yeah. is coping. 
you know, when women went in the cellars, uh, I have a chat, family, say, people saying, oh, we're in the cellar for four days. Um, we don't know when and how, but um, other family members saying, did you understand that some women still have to give birth? And my um, cousin still works in the like, um she taking uh, labor from the women, and um, after two hours, they have to go down in the cellar just after being given birth and just struck everyone. So, like, we have to, we're suffering, but other people suffer harder. So, yeah, and then um, um, I heard that, and I'm just saying, maybe this is the people, I know exactly my cousin, so I rang her, and she was, yeah, she was, she saying, I'm hugging you, I'm, I'm just, devastated my eyes are tearing um like she she's shaking anyway and um they still have to work and so i i just passed the message like i said to my family I, and my friends in the malo like an engineer next to me my neighbors here uh he was saying natalie we help them we help them i have money here send the money now they may need some stuff they need it urgently now so uh, this patriotism of, like, support um, just inspired me so much. And um, he, again, um, Damien picked up that idea. That he put up the boxes in the company. He started fundraising. So I started saying to them, look, we people are thinking of you. Don't don't give up. Uh, we want to help you. We want to send you some amount of money. She's like, okay, okay. Um, so she gave me bank information. So at least um, she hears the support. So when people start collecting in an engineering company in BCD in Charleville, uh, so much collection went for a couple of days uh, that they raised uh, for one hour of uh, each worker uh, salary went into this fund. So it went for 4,000 euro. And then the director said, no problem, we will top up another same amount on top of that. So 8,000 euro was collected directly straight away in two days. Um, oh, brilliant. And that's going directly to that maternity uh, hospital yeah. in Kharkiv. They uh, made the transfer, yeah. And, and, your, and your cousin couldn't get over the fact that strangers yeah. in another country would be yeah. thinking about her and trying to help the mums in labour. Exactly. She yeah. just, she sent me so, big, so many pictures. So, And then, she, like I'm saying... This most beautiful moment of people's life has to be ruined, but there should be some glimpse of hope that people are listening, thinking. Yeah, and then she was saying, how is this possible? I don't understand. Like, Ireland is so far away. People are so different. We're not really used to this type of, like, connections. Uh, yeah, and she's going, I don't understand how, but... I'm so thankful to you and I'm hugging you all and I'm so happy for you. Yeah. God so, help her. And, and you know, how brave of her to stay, Natalie. Nobody would have said, oh, you did the wrong thing by, by leaving to, to protect herself. But she's worried yeah. about the mothers and she doesn't want to leave them. And as you say, when a baby is got to be born, a baby's got to be, you can't tell a baby, can you hold off? We have a war you can be born yeah. in a few weeks' time. But yeah. Baby comes when baby wants to come. So to, to your cousin in Kharkiv, uh, tell her we, yeah. uh, she's a hero. She's just, she's an amazing woman along with all of the other staff uh, and what they're doing because 
to be in yeah. labour in the middle of a war is just beyond belief. It's beyond belief. So, uh, are you still fundraising, Natalie? Um, I'm. Um, um, like the words come out everywhere. So, like the hidden hearing, I'm working with. They donate the batteries for the convoys going uh, with. Um, um, uh, is it the missing person? Yeah, that was Jason, yeah, yeah. and uh, Katrina Toomey, who we spoke with yesterday, who left yesterday. They yeah, oh, hidden here yeah. and gave them a batteries, which is ba- and batteries, of course, are so important yeah. in a country uh, um, like that. I don't power. really, I don't really think that I I fundraised um, um, at the moment. Like, at the moment, like okay. that, yeah. That, All right. Well, let favorite. us know. Yeah. Let us know if we can be of any help. And you might, you mind yourself. Stay safe, and we hope you get your Brilliant. family out and your mother in, in particular. Send them all on our best wishes, and let them know that we are thinking uh, of them all. Listen, Ashley, yeah. it was a real pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for that, and thanks for taking time to talk to us. Fantastic. Thanks God bless. Bye bye. Okay. Bye bye. Natalie uh, Zaruba there, a Ukrainian living in Mallow for the past 15 years. Just horrendous for what her family is going through at the moment. We'll keep them all in our thoughts and prayers. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMI You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. We were discussing in the last hour the farmers being urged to consider switching to growing grain because there are going to be supply uh, issues certainly later on this year. Dermot Kelleher, president of the ICSA, contacted us. Today. He was actually at that meeting with the Minister for Agriculture last night. He says there needs to be more about food security. We've been listening over the years about environmental issues, but he says now we've got a much more pressing issue with energy and food security. They're much bigger problems. He says we've been asked for years about biofuel and solar panels on roofs but at the moment while farmers can do this they cannot contribute to the national grid if they'd go down the route of biofuels and solar panels. So obviously he's suggesting that's something that can be looked at. He feels that if the government in Europe took the eye off, he feels the government in Europe took the eye off the ball and they got plenty of cheap imports from the likes of Ukraine and Russia and now they are certainly getting a wake-up call. Uh, he says we need to have enough supplies to have our own country ready. And he says diesel is also crippling the farming uh, community. And actually, I, I mentioned in a minute, a couple of people have been on about the diesel. I'll talk about that uh, in a uh, sec. Somebody else is saying, Patricia, we have some of the best land in the world and yet we are importing 60% of our grain. This is from John in Roscommon. He said, not making sense to John in Roscommon at all. And a lot of people scratching their heads over that. But that's as Dermot is saying, we went for the cheaper imports and now it's certainly coming back to bite us. Now, on that issue, issue of, thank you for that John, on the issue of we're waiting for the government to give the, the doll to give the approval but it's expected that they will and the cabinet signing off on 15 cent cut in excise duty for diesel, 20 cent cut in excise duty for petrol and a 2 cent cut in excise duty for green diesel and it's expected once the gets the doll approval today it will com- become in immediate effect from midnight tonight and it will remain in place until August. Not every Everyone very happy with that. 
Hi, Patricia. Maybe I'm moaning Mossy, says Mossy in West Cork. But a 20 cent reduction in diesel prices will only make a very slight dent in the overall price when you look at how high the litre of petrol and diesel has gone. Maybe a 50 cent reduction would have been more useful. That is from uh, Mossy. And uh, there's a number of people actually making, uh, there's a number of people making that very same point and people kind of shocked that it was, people feel it's just too low. John is also saying that the fuel, the diesel and the petrol, they could have cut it by at least 50 cent a litre. If they cut it by 50 cent, it certainly would be helping people. And a West Cork listener says, what good is a two cent cut off green diesel? Uh, Not happy with the government and the people that are running the country at the moment. That's from a West Cork listener. And then an email in from Valerie this is all to do with the cost of fuel and people now when they're going to fill up their cars people are stopping to think about the journeys are the journeys absolutely necessary people are trying to conserve as much of their petrol and diesel as possible not do any wasted uh, journeys and the day of going for the Sunday drive I think is gone for a long while while petrol and diesel prices are so high so Valerie is trying to think of other ways that we could save on the cost of travelling. She makes a couple of suggestions in her email. Valerie says, isn't it about time that the government now could step in and say to employers, where possible, allow your employees to work from home? Do exactly what they did two years ago during the COVID pandemic. And it was done very, very successfully. That would pull a lot of people off the roads every day. Now, as Valerie says, it won't take everybody off the roads. And for those then that have to travel to work, maybe people need to start looking at carpooling where possible. And these are obviously for people where public transport isn't available. A few suggestions for discussion, says uh, Valerie, that we need to start looking at other ways of getting to and from work. But maybe back to that, maybe back to because people have started to return to the office. And Valerie is right, they successfully worked from home. Some people successfully worked from home for nearly two years. Is it now time uh, to look at that again? while petrol prices are so high. And then we have lots of people on about refugees and the number of war refugees from Ukraine that are going to be arriving on our shores. What about using the closed down Garda station and closed down post offices that are no longer being used, says this uh, this is Connie. Sorry, I've just seen your name on the text, Connie. Thank you. Connie in uh, Kiss Game. Could they not be used? There are a number of Garda stations that have closed over the years and many of them are now boarded up buildings. Could they not be used in order to house some of the refugees? and says thanks Connie and says I'm wondering what about the religious orders the nuns and the priests and the monks are any of them offering accommodation to the refugees many of them have vast buildings with plenty of space space parish priests usually live in very big houses let them lead by example uh, says Anne well maybe they will I mean I know it's the Red Cross is coordinating people who've got offers of accommodation and maybe some of the priests maybe some of the nuns have said look Look, we've got an old convent building, we've an old monastery building, be more than willing to hand it over for refugees.
families when they come to our shores. I don't know because I know it's gone to over 6,000 offers from members of the public. So maybe some of them are the religious as well. I suppose it's all very much dependent on how many people are actually going to arrive. And then morning, uh, Patricia. Thank you for your clear and up-to-date information on the events in uh, Ukraine. I wish we didn't have to be reporting on the events in, in Ukraine. I can't wait for the day that we'll bring the good news to say that it's all finished. But thank you. Thank you for, for, the, for your kindness in, in your text. But this texter says, I have one question. Could it be possible that some of the buses and vans that are gone to the Ukraine, could they bring people back to, to Ireland, you know, f- fill them up? Well, I don't, yeah, buses, yeah, I don't know. I, I, wouldn't, I don't know if we'd be putting people in the back of vans, but I wonder, could we take some of the refugees that are on the border that would want to come to Ireland? Yeah, it is a possibility. Actually, I have a, a, a relation of mine in England and her husband has a company that does business in the Ukraine and he went over last weekend in a minibus and he has got 10 Ukrainian young women and small children. There's a party of 10. There's some little ones uh, in the mix and trying to, they sorted out accommodation, everything, trying to get them back into the UK. And my God, talk about trying to go around the houses. The, the Boris Johnson and his government can hang their head in shame. They are making it so difficult for people to get visas to get into the UK. It really is truly shocking. And they were stuck yesterday. They've now headed, he's headed to Germany with them. There's a charity in Germany who are going to put them up for a few days while they try to regroup and decide what they are going to do. So I, they were in contact with me last night and I was just telling them what's what's available here in Ireland and what is the situation here, here in Ireland for refugees. But these are people... They don't have any family. They just need to flee and get out of the country. But there's very small children. It really is just heartbreaking uh, to witness it. And then Noreen from Mallow says, Hi Patricia, with regard to the Ukrainian refugee issue, I've heard the minister saying that they're thinking about constructing modular units This surely would take ages. Throughout the country, we have a number of holiday sites with thousands and thousands of serviced mobile homes. I was wondering, could the government get an agreement from the site owners to allow their clients to give their mobile homes for this season over to the war refugees? I'm sure many people in this country would be glad to be able to help. And also, there are many mobile homes that are rarely used. Of course, I'm not asking the site owners to waiver their site fees for the year, but perhaps owners would be willing to help out. Also, these locations are very well serviced. They're usually very near shops and other services. It would do those little children so much good to be by the sea for the summer and also their parents would have their own space. Alternatively, could the government perhaps open some new serviced mobile home sites? It would be much cheaper than building modular units and obviously it would be much quicker. There are thousands of mobile homes which are on sites, on websites being offered for sale at very reasonable prices at the moment where the government could go and uh, buy them. So and I'm just, thank you for that uh, Noreen and again it's thinking outside of the box and I'm assuming that this the government departments that are all together trying to work out how are we if if hundred thousand, which is if they, how they're coming up with the figure of a hundred thousand is if five million and the UN are expecting we're over 
2.2 million now have already fled the Ukraine if and they're expecting that figure go, could go to 5 million. If it goes to 5 million then all of the EU countries it's dependent on how many people are in your country etc. We take a percentage we would be expected to take as we're one of the smaller countries obviously in the EU so we would be expected to take 2%. So 2% of 5 million is 100,000 so that's what the government is saying. That would be what the EU would expect us to take. It's not to say that that number will come but if 5 million refugees have to be rehomed we will be expected to house and look after 100,000 so that's where the planning is in place and they're trying to come up with all kinds of how are we going to do it because you know everyone accepts we have a housing crisis in this country it isn't a simple situation in Ireland so they do have to come up with alternative arrangements for these people and bearing in mind these are people fleeing for their lives so everything I think is on the table and everything has to be looked at now when I mentioned the number of people the over 6,000 it could even be gone higher now of people who have contacted the Red Cross to say I have a spare bedroom I have two spare bedrooms there are people in that mix who also have holiday homes to say I will give up my holiday home we won't go there this summer we'll let a family stay in it in, instead don't know if any of them if any of the office have been from mobile home, people who go to mobile homes but I'm wondering if you do own a mobile home and you do go to your mobile home for the summer would you be willing if the government put out that shout would you be willing to give up your mo- mobile home and instead left, leave a family stay in it for now and for, for the coming months and I do think Noreen makes a good point how wonderful it would be for those children who are coming out of war situations to be by the sea and to know that they feel safe. Anyway, your thoughts welcome on that. Thank you, Noreen, for emailing Patricia at c103.ie. Our lines are open 0818 103 103. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. C103 Jobs. With Munster Technological University, enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full-time, part-time and professional courses. Succeeding together with mtu.ie. Kitchen staff are wanted for Airtastic. They're based in Little Island. You send a CV to bradley.beard at air-tastic.com. Industrial electricians wanted for Cork City. Email jobs at hamiltonfrench.com. While registered nurses are wanted to work in Nazareth House in Mallow. CVs please to hr.mallow at nazarethcare.ie. And the Clonakilty Park Hotel, they've got vacancies for a night porter, kitchen porter, accommodation staff and accommodation manager. Uh, email mcarolyn at clonakiltyparkhotel.ie. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Now students from Bohabui Comprehensive School will have the opportunity to perform alongside Liam O'Connor and Moya Brennan during an eagerly anticipated concert which is going on in the local parish church in Bohabui tomorrow night and I'm delighted to say that Liam O'Connor joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Liam. Good morning, Patricia, and thank you. Well, it's always a pleasure to speak with you. Now, am I right in saying that this concert had to be rescheduled because of COVID? That's right. It was, on, it was supposed to be on a December uh, rescheduled, and uh, tomorrow night now is the big night, so don't forget the tickets. There are still some available. There are, yeah. Um, 029-760-32 or ticketstop.ie. Now, what can people expect tomorrow night? 
Um, well, there's fantastic musicians. I'm here actually in the school, Boherbury Comprehensive School at the moment. Um, it, there are fantastic musicians here. There's, there's up to 40 musicians, and there's a great music teacher, Anne-Marie O'Keefe, and, uh, and there's great, great principal as well, Fiora Leader, and they're all enthusiastic. It's a pleasure to come over and teach them and be with them. Now, they're all going to their own music teachers, and they're all going to different schools and everything. I'm just just amalgamating all this together and collaborating with and bringing in the professionals like Moya Brennan and her family. And uh, so she's going to sing some of the hits from Clonard. Uh, they're also on a world tour on their 50th anniversary. And uh, she's also a Grammy Award winner. Yeah, it's good. it really is special. And when did your family and Moya Brennan's family start to collaborate? Um, we've been playing for a few years together. We did Friary Church and uh, we did an amazing concert on the 8th of December in the cathedral in Killarney. But during lockdown, really, um, during COVID, we came up with an idea of a song together, including the two families. And uh, then we did the Late Late Show and, you know, it took off from there. Yeah. Tell me about that song, Strong Strong in Numbers. Wasn't that what it was called? Yeah. Strong yeah. in Numbers is about, you know, is, you know, not to be... Not to be silenced, really. You know that. You know, I suppose Ninaco Corlekeda as well. You know, it's um, it's about unity and being strong in numbers. So we 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 put the two families together and uh, came up with this. And Moy and her husband wrote the song, and then we were, we were involved in the arrangement of it. God, it's kind of appropriate for what's going on in Ukraine, isn't it? It is. It is. It's 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 a crazy world, you know. Yeah, and and the world's re- response. We are strong in uh, numbers. That's right. Strong in numbers. And Liam, I was I meant when I mentioned earlier that you were coming on the program, I was saying, you know, particularly at the times we're in at the moment and when we're coming out of COVID trying to get back to some kind of a, a normal life and then this awful disaster has has happened in uh, Ukraine. Yeah. It's it, music is good for the soul, isn't it? It's, yeah, music it's, is it's, uh, it's healing. It's very healing and uh, it's uh, it's it's universal language. Um you don't have to open your mouth, you can just listen. And uh, we're, it's, it's, it's an awful time in, of life at the moment with, every, you know, with everything that's going on, especially the, the, the war in Ukraine and stuff. But um, we, we still have to keep going here. And I suppose strong in numbers is, you know, is important. There have to be strong in numbers you know, for Ukraine as well. So you know, it's important. Uh, is it, you- if you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. 
Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Particularly happy to be back performing live. I imagine you really missed us. I'm delighted to be back. Yeah, it was a tough time. But, you know, it was tough on everyone. Yeah. Uh, there wasn't a person, you know, that didn't go by without having some kind of, you know, um, you know, a kind of sadness, really, I suppose. You know, there was a sadness there. There was goodness as well. And there was a, there was goodwill done, you know, from people. But um, music is, a, you know, we thought we might have to change job at one stage. <laughs> Did you actually consider it? Uh, well, you know, you'd have to consider everything when there's nothing coming in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And did you, during all the lockdowns, did you... Did you continue to play music at home yourself? Yeah, we, do, we recorded that song in studio, so there was a good few rehearsals with that. Was there? On and off. And um, well, we did our side of it, and why did theirs, and then we got together eventually. Okay. Um, but we had a little goal, and uh, I suppose the late, late was brilliant to, to guess as well. Yeah, it was. Um, it was yeah. good timing, and uh, um, we were delighted with that. But the... Um, no, we're delighted now, and we did one um, a couple of years ago in Bohemby Church as well, and we're very thankful to Father Kennelly for opening the doors for us, and uh, it's a beautiful church, and uh, and again, the musicians here are fantastic, and uh, it's it's important. You know, it's, it's nice to get together, but it's also see the highest level. You know, Maya's heading off then on a world tour with Planet Around. She just did the Palladium there after Christmas, and, you know, they're big, big venues and big events, so it's nice to have someone of that calibre on your grounds, you know. And I always say to anyone when they're performing in a church, there's something very special about performing in, in a church, isn't there? I know it's, it's the acoustics of it. Oh, it's the acoustics, it's the, it's the feeling, it's the history, it's the history of the place, how many people have gone through it, the different things, the different ceremonies, everything, and... That's why my, in this case, her music is haunting, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect uh, for a church. It is perfect Just, for the church. You yeah. carry's game, you've been a lifetime. Then she has beautiful Irish songs. You know, it's really beautiful, yeah. And her, vo- her voice really is uh, stunning. And she, is she bringing some of her family members with her? Yeah, her yeah. family will be with her. Her husband on cello and uh, her daughter on guitar and vocals and her son then on keyboards and vocals as well. But they have very unique sound. Did the children pick up the talent at singing? They did. Oh, they did. They did. They did. <laughs> it's like it's in your own family as well. Yeah. The apple never falls far from the tree, Liam. <laughs> and and I think it's lovely that the students in Bohabui Comprehensive School are, are getting involved because it's an area that is, it's an area that you know well, but it's just steeped in musical tradition. It is. There's a fantastic tradition. I, I came from it, Leave Lucre and all that, but I love to, you know, encourage people um, to be yourself, you know. Um, you know, I saw something there recently where it says, you know, you were born original, don't die a copy. What? That's a good saying. That's a good <laughs> saying. That's a good saying. And I always believe, don't be a copy, don't be a bad copy of anybody. Be yourself. They're great musicians, they're great singers, and they're great kids as well. And this is an opportunity for them just to take them out of their own zone a little bit because you have all the, the fantastic associations of cultists. We all grew up in cultists. 
Um, you know, there's the, the GA score and the Nogues and the score finals. They're all brilliant and they're all the foundation. But you have to, at some stage, stand up on your own as well and it's good to see the other side of it. And for them to be performing with the likes of you and with the likes of Moya Brennan, it's a moment in time that will remain with them for the rest of their lives. So well done to you and to yeah, Moya thank for, you, Patricia, for yeah. giving that opportunity. And I'm looking forward to seeing you on Friday night because <laughs> you are a recipient of one of the Cork Civic Life Pride of Cork Awards. Were, were you thrilled to get the call or the email? I don't know how you found out that you yes, were to I get one. Yes, I was yeah. delighted to get the email. And uh, it's an honour. It's an honour. If you look at the people on the recipients, and uh, and and thank you, and the and the board, and uh, and Cork Civic Life. It's uh, it's going to be a special night. I'm, you're going to be there yourself. I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm one of the co-hosts. That's right. Yeah, looking and, forward to it. And uh, it's a it's a it's a it's a big honour. You don't get awards every day, and it's 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 a lovely. We're looking forward to it. And I always think it's nice to be honoured by your own. It is. Isn't it? it? Is. There's something it special is. about that. There oh, really the, is. Uh, yeah, and it's, it's, we're, we're all excited. The, the, it's black tie event and, you know, why not? Yeah. You know. OK, well, we'll see you on Friday night. Good luck with the concert tomorrow night. There are still tickets available, as you say. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you for that, uh, Liam. And I'm going to let Liam go because I want to bring in, seeing as I've mentioned the Cork uh, Civic Life, the Pride of Cork Awards, I want to bring in uh, Michael Mulcahy, who's organising uh, the events. Uh, good, good morning to you, Michael. Morning, Patricia. Where all, all systems go uh, for Friday night. How many people will be picking up awards? Yes, it is. Um, we have 35 recipients on Friday night. So we have a full house in the Clayton Silver Springs and uh, some fantastic recipients across all different walks of life from the voluntary, social, civic, charitable and not-for-profit sectors in Cork City and County. So a great range of people and a great range of organisations who are all... Uh, doing amazing things in their community, amazing things for other people. Um, and sometimes, you know, recognising these people and recognising the organisations is a huge part of what Cork Civic Life does and wants to do because getting people to volunteer today uh, for organisations is quite difficult. Yeah. But when they do, the difference that they make to the community that they do something for is just immense. Yeah, and it's just, it's a moment in time where we say, well done, we, you know, we see what you do and we appreciate what you do. And only yesterday I had Katrina Toomey on as I was wishing her bon voyage on her amazing journey um, on behalf of Cork Penny Dinners. She she's one of the recipients and she's got it that she can't be there, but she said she rang you straight away and that you were more than understanding. Well, absolutely. And again, you know, Katrina and the team from Cork Penny Dinners and uh, Chris O'Donovan from Cork um, Search and Rescue and the Missing Persons Unit who are gone off to Ukraine. Um, as I said to Katrina, the, the, the event, of course, it's a very important event. Of course, it's very special for any of the recipients. But I think for what's happening in Ukraine and for anything that can be done by any of us, um, that to a degree... I think, and I, I hope people would agree with me, that takes precedence really mm-hmm. over a lot of things today. So there, there's a great team. Uh, there's 12 of the volunteers from uh, Cork Penny Dinners attending the event tomorrow evening Brilliant. for a little night out so that we can say to them, you know, well done for what they do. Um, uh, Katrina is is normally the person that would be there with them, but they're they're going to be well looked after by us. Tomorrow. Well done, well, well well done. And Ukraine will very much feature on the night. It's it's not just going. To, while we're all getting dressed up and looking forward to, to to the night out, we're not forgetting what's happening in Ukraine. No, and we're we're very honoured that. 
the Ukrainian ambassador to Ireland will be joining us on Friday evening for the event. And there is a special presentation going to be made uh, to her uh, of a Pride of Cork award for the people of Ukraine by the people of Cork. And that's something that the, the Board of Cork Civic Life and the Pride of Cork Awards really felt was a message of support and solidarity that we wanted to send from all parts of Cork City and County to the people of Ukraine through the ambassador who is the representative of the Ukrainian government here in uh, Ireland. So that's an important message for us on the night. And I think all of our recipients, you know, will... We'll, Join with us in, in trying to ensure that the message of support and solidarity for the Ukrainian people is, is not just for um, the assistance that we can give them, maybe financially and so forth, but with all that's happening today with the Irish Red Cross, we hopefully will all be able to play a little uh, greater part in what we can do for anybody who comes from uh, Ukraine to Ireland in the next period of time to make them feel welcome until they can go back to their own home again, which they will want to. Yeah, yeah, well said, well well, well said. Uh, looking forward to meeting the ambassador on uh, Friday night. And listen, I have to scrub up really well. Uh, you've put me up against Miriam O'Callaghan. For God's sake, Michael, what are you thinking of? Well, but I put you up against uh, PJ Coogan Our as well. PJ's grand. PJ's grand, but God yeah. up against the glamour of, uh, of Miriam O'Callaghan. Well, bo- I think it, it's always lovely, you know, to have our local um, compares and always lovely to have Miriam as a national compare for RT matching C103 and 96FM. And again, you know, the, the, the calibre of, of recipients uh, that we have, when you look, for example, at the organisations like Irish Community Air Ambulance, which you're very familiar with, yeah. and you look at people like Catherine Ross Murphy in McCroom, who raised over €21,000 for the local St. Vincent de Paul in McCroom and for the Irish Community Air Ambulance. Kaplan is a recipient. You look at St. George's Arts and Heritage Centre in Mitchellstown, the old Church of Ireland building that the, the, the town has effectively uh, remodelled into a, a fantastic resource centre. You look at Elmarie Moore from, from the, the, the family and the arts house and you look at what she's been through, you look at what she has done for musicians and artists throughout uh, the, the pandemic and giving them a complete lifeline to, to, to keep their music and keep their businesses uh, in the public domain. We have so many great people from yeah. Liam O'Connor whom you had on and so forth. Yeah, we're, we're, we're blessed in Cork. We really, we really truly are across Cork City and County. We are blessed. Looking forward to the night on Friday, uh, Michael. Thank you for that and uh, look after yourself. Thank you, Patricia. See you Friday. Friday. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, Michael Mulcahy, who is the CEO of Cork Civic Life in advance of those, the Pride of Cork Awards. 0818 103 103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. Cork today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. As we've been hearing, the Cabinet has agreed a cut in excise duty on petrol and diesel. The reduction will be 20 cent per litre on petrol, 15 cent per litre on diesel, and a cut of 2 cent per litre on green uh, diesel. And the reduction will be in place until the 30 
31st of uh, August. So how have the fishing community reacted to this news as there have been huge concerns throughout that industry due to the cost of rising fuel in recent weeks and months? Patrick Murphy is Chief Executive Officer at the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation and Patrick joins me. Good morning to you, Patrick. And good morning, Patricia. And good morning to the listeners. Now, firstly, is it true that some fishermen literally are not taking their boats out due to the high cost? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming some tripping fish, fishing trips would just be unviable. Yeah, that's true. And this is down to quota. It's, it's not just down to fuel. You see, when a boat goes out, we give maybe 30 or 40 different types of fish for you to catch. And unfortunately, because we've such small quotas, you'd have to catch maybe 15 or 20 of those different species to make a living and under the strict regulations you can't just catch all you'd like of one species because once you catch that then you're choked you, if you don't have an av- availability to catch more of that fish you might catch it by accident and you become illegal So you've had fishermen who just haven't gone to sea Yeah they, and they've no choice because it's not going to pay them because they'll burn too much diesel running around trying to catch the fish that they're legally entitled to catch like and it's very difficult and and this is on the backdrop that our members were asked by the minister michael creed to stay fishing even though they would be two or three hundred miles away from shoreline away from any medical intervention maybe even not allowed to get into a helicopter if there was an outbreak of covid they'd have to come in and tie up in the morning to be assessed first and they did all this because they were asked during COVID to keep the food supply lines going. And here we have now a situation where we're forgotten about. Um, two cent. So just to explain to the listeners, one of my members, Patricia, said this to me. He said, in 2020, he paid 33 cents per litre for diesel. Okay. And last night when he rang up the supplier, they quoted him €1.50. <sighs> now that's pause for thought. 33 cents. 2020 up and to 1.15 last night my and gosh it, right. it, 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 people have to understand not just for the far- fishermen but the farmers as well we need to survive water food heat and shelter and if we don't have those elements we're in trouble so if we don't protect our food processing and our, and our hunter gatherers like the fishermen and our farmers who are producing food and make sure they have the tools to keep operating on, it'll have a knock-on effect right through society. So from midnight tonight, that 115 goes down to 113. Uh, yes. It, and does, I was it told won't by make a huge, huge difference to you. Well, some boats now are saying at around 70 cents is, is what they'd need to be going out as before they'd you know risk uh, going out. It, it just wouldn't pay them, so they can't go out and catch fish. Now, not all vessels. There are different types of vessels that we have faners and we have gill netters that would have a different type of fishing that the fish swim into the net so that the boat virtually knocks out. You know, seining is, 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 is slow towing. So there's different vessels that will. So we're not going to say there'll be no fish, but we are saying that there will be a, a dramatic reduction if we don't act. And what we asked the minister for, very simply, was to set aside fuel for these industries. You know, the it's not the same as somebody pulling into the pump and filling up. These boats are out to provide a service and earn a living at the same time. With some of their parts are greater than what we see, you know. And this is becoming apparent now, um, Patricia, to, to everybody around the world. Like we're hearing about cities in the Ukraine that have no food, 
children dying even from lack of water. And um, this is critical for, for very futures and survival. And I spoke earlier with the farmers who were in with that meeting with the Minister uh, for Agriculture and, you know, he's saying, asking them to be prepared for the year ahead and to consider growing grain to address potential grain shortages. And, you know, we could be looking at food shortages. Have the fishermen been called around the table? Unfortunately not. No, only the likes of yourself lets us to get some air time to say how bad it is. Uh, we don't even... The only person that in, in West Cork that really pays attention to us besides yourself is the likes of Michael Collins. We hear very little from from the other um, elected representatives, to be honest with you, especially in this. It's reactionary rather than proactive. And look, we're there to provide a service, but it's madness, isn't it, Patricia, that we're talking about food security, and yet our fleet is destined to be wiped out by a third, you know, uh, never again to be returned to our shores. You have to start to wondering about the people that are making the decision. Do they really understand what they're doing? Like, you know. Well, you know, so many people are pointing out because we're talking about the situation in Ukraine and because we're talking about they were the Ukraine are known as the, the breadbasket of the world. And so now farmers have been told, oh, you need to grow uh, grain. So many people are pointing out we we always grew enough but decisions were made to stop. Somebody else is saying, like our sugar industry, we lost our, our sugar industry. We could have a problem now with sugar because Ukraine produce sugar. They're not going to be producing sugar for the world market uh, this year. You know, we, we make these decisions in order to get cheaper inputs and then suddenly it comes back to bite us. Well, you see, this is what I'm saying about the decision makers. They're the same ones that are there now that were there in those times. This is the problem. And like, you have to understand it's not just the sugar. If you're listening to the farming community, which which we have a farm ourselves, so I'm a little bit aware of this, to to bring growth on into your land, you need something to to generate that growth in, in the ground. And people use fertilizer and they use chemicalized fertilizers. They've moved away from the the animal um, excrements and and mixing it in with straw and hay, you know, that we used to use on on the land before, and we were turn, told to turn to fertilizer, but we shut that down too in Ireland. But we were producing our own fertilizer and we gave that away. But like yeah. the people making the decisions don't seem to have the long term view. It's today what'll happen today now we'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. And that has to change. And this is why I'm saying the same about our fishing industry. You know, it might be a short term solution, but we'll pay in the long run. We need better decision makers, to be honest with you, Patricia. Is all of this now, what what is now, I mean, who could have predicted war in Europe, but is this all now a big wake-up call? And I hope so, because if they stay asleep, we're in serious trouble. OK, all right, listen, Patrick, thank you for that and uh, stay safe and thanks for joining us. Uh, this morning. Good good morning to you. Bye-bye. That is Patrick Murphy, Chief Executive Officer at the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation. I'm still looking at those figures. I've actually written them down in front of me. Green diesel, 33 cent in 2020, 1 euro 15. And with the 2 cent reduction, it'll be 1 euro 13. And even for a fisherman to say they could just about make financially viable at 70 cent, but even at 70 cent, that would be more than double what they were paying back in 2020, just two years ago. It's kind of mind boggling, is it not? You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. People reacting to my chat in the last hour with Patrick Murphy of the Irish South and West Fish Producers Organisation talking about the effect that the rise 
rising cost of fuel has been having on the fishing industry. Somebody very simply in a text saying everything Patrick said to you in the last hour is absolutely correct. So I don't know if that's somebody from within the fishing industry or not. And someone else says at the rate things are going, Patricia, we'll have to go back to the pony and trap. I heard another fisherman speak on radio the other day and he said it would cost him €22,000 to fill his tank with diesel for the boat. That same fill would have cost him €10,000 last year. So an increase from €10,000 to €22,000. You can understand why some fishermen saying simply not uh, a viable. And then Mick says, Patricia, the 20 cent going off the price of petrol, don't worry about that. They'll put it back on in the October budget from uh, Mick. Well, Mick, I can tell you, it'll go on even earlier than the October budget because it's been introduced from now until the end of August. At the end of August, these excise duties uh, goes back on. So it'll go back on just in time for the budget if they want to do any other uh, increases. And hi, Patricia, is kerosene coming down for home heating oil and I had to check this while the news was on just to be doubly sure and unfortunately no home heating oil is not included in the price cuts and I think a lot of people were hoping that it would be bearing in mind that if you get 500 litres which is a half a tank fill it'll cost you 700 euro today. That's what people were paying uh, yesterday. So the excise duty is on petrol 20 cent, diesel 15 uh, cent and the green diesel for the agriculture sector and the fishing industry 2 cent off that and it remains in place. Comes in for midnight tonight. The cut to excise comes in tonight and remain in place until the 31st of August but it does not include home heating oil. I wanted to get that doubly checked because I was hoping that it would, particularly seeing as a half a tank now is costing householders €700. Euro. And when you look at the cost, seemingly since January of last year, so just a little over a year ago, the price of home heating oil has almost doubled since around about this time last year. So no, there's to be no respite if you need to get home heating oil. And just to be careful, by the way, and I know people are holding out getting home heating oil, hoping that it would come down in price. You need to be very careful. It's, it's, I don't know yet if it's been rationed or not. I know a number of companies are only offering a half a tank to householders and people will say well it's 700 for a half uh, a tank I wouldn't be able to afford the 1400 to fill up the tank but we are hearing of other people who are there's delays with getting it so that if somebody's ringing up hoping maybe to get a fill today or tomorrow they've been told no they're going to have to wait at least two weeks so you do need to be careful on that so that you don't run out because like it is bitterly cold uh, today it really is a miserable uh, old day out there today and it, it struck me there are people probably listening to us this morning who are putting on extra jackets and extra jumpers and wrapping themselves up warm at home rather than switching on the heating because they're trying to save on the heating because they know how much the oil has gone up by so it's just that's the reality of what we are going through at the moment. 0818-103-103. And just on the farmers that we were talking about and food shortages, etc. And we touched on that with the fishermen as well. Frank says, Patricia, we need to get our sugar beet industry back up and running. It was the backbone of the arable sector. Ukraine have put a halt to sugar exports for the remainder of the year. The Irish government really must wake up. They took their eye off the ball and went over the top on dairy cows, says Frank and now we are all suffering because of it and actually it isn't only it isn't only sugar 
they, there's a ban in Ukraine. I mean, they're trying to get the farmers to work to try and keep their own people fed, but they won't be exporting anything this year, which is going to have a knock-on effect. As I say, they're known as the, the breadbasket of the world, so certainly it is going to have an effect. And then some comments coming in on the on refugees. Hi, oh, firstly, this was somebody critical of me, which is fine. I don't think, Patricia, sh- I... I really think that Patricia should refrain from her political comments about Boris Johnson and the UK and this is when I was critical of the way they are treating the war refugees. Hopefully she will also be aware that a complete open door policy could have repercussions as it's possible for the unscrupulous to gain entry. It happened uh, before. Listen, there'll always be unscrupulous people there. The majority of people who are fleeing Ukraine are war refugees. Let us never forget uh, that. And I stand by my criticism of Boris Johnson and the UK government because if if you look at anything to do with how they're handling the situation, they seem to be looking after the oligarchs way more than they're looking after the uh, immigrants. I mean, many political reporters are saying that there has been a, a real tardiness on behalf of the UK government in seizing the, ash- uh, the assets of super, super rich Russian oligarchs. Dozens upon dozens of them are living in the UK. They certainly... they. They put a freeze on some of them, but not on all of them. So they seem to be turning a blind eye to the rich Russians. But when we have these war refugees wanting to come in there and they've been openly saying, Boris Johnson has, that they're readily going to accept large numbers of uh, refugees. But that's not happening in practice. There's only a tiny number of refugees have been allowed into the uh, UK and they appear to be placing as many barriers as possible to prevent them from arriving in Britain. And I'll give you one example. Uh, yesterday, they told refugees that if they headed to Calais, that there would be a pop-up visa centre there where they could fill in all of their details and then they would be allowed access to travel on to the United Kingdom. When refugees got to Calais, there was no pop-up visa centre on behalf of the UK government and they were told, oh no, that we did that pop-up centre in Lille, which was 100 miles away. And these are people who have fled a war-torn country. That's just simply not acceptable. And British people themselves will tell you obstacles and barriers are being put in place to not give uh, visas to these. And they are war refugees. Let us never forget that. These are not economic refugees. These are not refugees who are trying to come for a better life. These are refugees who are fleeing because they fear for their life if they remain they may die. So let's not forget that. And then John and Charleville, thank you for your uh, text. And of course, you are within your rights to say uh, to disagree with me. Uh, Patricia, what's happening in the Ukraine, this is John and Charleville, is a terrible situation. Uh, yes, these people need to be helped, but I do think we should be capping the amount of refugees coming into Ireland. 100,000, the figure that's been mentioned, is too many for our small country. 10,000 surely would be loads. We can't look after our own here, our health system, etc. Is already under big pressure. These refugees are probably never going to go back as they won't have anything left for them to go back to in Ukraine. We can't house the whole world here or we will break our own country. This open door policy is wrong, says John in Charvet. John, it isn't, well, it, it's not an open door policy in the, it's an open door policy at the moment in that we're helping people who are fleeing a war situation. The 100,000 is, we are a member of the EU, so we abide by the rules and regulations of the EU. The EU are expecting. 5 million refugees to flee into Europe 
and then they're breaking it up between all of the EU member states. That's why the UK is not included. And that's where the figure of 100,000, we're not guaranteed that 100,000 are going to come. But if 5 million refugees flee, then we would be expected uh, to take 100,000. If you look back on history, the majority of war refugees come, get out of the country to save their lives and they do go back. If you speak, and if you're listening to any of the Ukrainians leaving, they are a very, very proud people. Many of them don't even want to leave, but they have no choice but to get the women and the, and the children out. Many of the women are only leaving because they have children. I've seen countless women being interviewed when they cross over into the border saying only for they have children they will be back there fighting with their men folk. They're leaving their men behind. They have every intention of going home. Will a small amount stay? Of course a small amount will stay because they may feel they have nothing to go back to but the vast majority will go back and they will rebuild their country. And I said, as I said to poor Natalie earlier, who's devastated watching her hometown and squares and places that she knows and parks that she knows being decimated, they will build it up and it will be better than it was before. That's what always happens in war situations. So don't think that this 100,000 are going to come in and cripple the country. And remember, it's been done with the EU. So there will be backing and there will be support uh, as well. 0818-103-103. John Paul taking your calls. And just on a worrying note, somebody says, Patricia, have you heard that the Chernobyl plant has been disconnected by the Russian army from the Ukrainian power grid? Can we all please say a prayer that radiation doesn't start to leak? And I just saw it. It broke there about uh, 12 o'clock that the power has been fully disconnected from the power plant. There's workers working in, even though that power plant is shut down, the workers have to be working there to make sure that there isn't any leakages or all of that. And I know from my limited knowledge of being in Belarus and being close to Chernobyl, I know that water is important, the water, because it has to, for cooling reasons, and power is important as well. Now, the International Atomic Energy Agency they say the plant was no longer transmitting data which is a bit of a worry and they, they, and because obviously the power is gone all of the monitoring systems are gone so they are fearful if they can't monitor they won't know if there is a worsening situation there or not so that's more than 2,000 staff still work at the plant and it does require constant management to prevent another nuclear disaster the UN agency is calling on Russia to allow workers uh, to rotate because they've been put in there and they haven't been allowed to get any breaks as well but that's that's another issue but yes is that a worry is that a concern absolutely 0818 103 103 The C103 Cork Diary With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing community and business supports all across the county see corkcoco.ie A fundraiser in aid of Ukraine is taking place in the Old Hall in Newtown Shandrum that's this evening between 6 and 7.30 donations of new clothes shoes, blankets please are all welcome there's also an ongoing collection for Ukraine at Drum Colourher Respite Care Centre they're taking donation of tents torches batteries blankets sleeping bags toiletries including nappies and sanitary items dried and tinned food they're also looking for paracetamol plasters pseudocreme no clothing at that particular collection and G. Cloyne GAA are holding a metal collection during the month of March. For more details, you can check out Cloyne GAA Facebook page to organise a drop-off or a pick-up 
You contact Brendan Berry at 87 And a cake sale and raffle will take place in Clonic Hilti Resource Centre in aid of the Irish Red Cross Ukrainian Appeal. And that's happening tomorrow between 1 and 3. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. Just quickly go to some of your comments in a Thank you to everybody who's taking time out to, to call us um, and contact us today. Hi Patricia, I can't believe that some Irish people are moaning about people coming in from the Ukraine. The government won't let millions in. There will be a cap on the number that will come, but we have to help. This is a war. We still talk of the famine. We talk about who helped us, who didn't help us. Irish roots are all over the world because we left and got offered refuge in other countries. We simply have to help. Says a texter, no name on that. Thank you for that. It's not just home heating oil that's going up, says another texter. The gas has gone sky high. I know I can see it on my meter. Una says, hi Patricia, home heating oil is limited to 400 litres per household. Okay, I, I thought it was 500. So just to make people aware of that, you can only buy if you can afford to buy it at the moment, says Una. Thank you for that, uh, Una. Other thoughts coming in. Michael says it was the farmers who decided to close the sugar industry. They took the money offered and basically ran. There were many politicians desperately trying to fight tooth and nail to save the industry, particularly the sugar factories. The late Joe Sherlock father of Sean Charlotte constantly fighting the battle for both the sugar industry and for the fisher organisations that is from Michael on the price of fuel Jennifer on Twitter at C103 Cork says when I left Waterford to drive to Cork on Monday morning I got diesel at 1 euro 93 cent last night driving home from Cork to Waterford it had gone up to 2 euro and 9 cent so that's 17 cent in since Monday. How am I going to afford to go to work? Even the cost that they're talking about tonight is not going to help me. Yeah, you're not on your own on that one, Jennifer, for sure. And thanks to lots of people uh, calling in just about different fuel prices and how much the fuel prices have gone up. Well, uh, from midnight tonight, there will be it'll be it'll be a small bit of help. Uh, hopefully, Tom and Rat Gormick says, why can't they take all the tax off petrol and diesel instead of just a small percentage? Well, good luck with that, Tom. The government make a lot of money out of the taxes that they collect from petrol and uh, diesel. Can people please be very careful when you're out and about on the roads? A lot of people are saying that some areas, particularly areas that got snow and slush, some areas are like skating rinks and the people just need to be careful. There was a lot of calls in, particularly when it was snowing, saying it was particularly bad. I don't know if it's as, if it's snowing in any areas at the moment but if it is you need to just be careful please as I say people saying describing it like skating rinks reports of flooding at Douglas Bridge I think that is that Kilcock and in uh, Kilworth so please be careful there's flooding as well and thank you to Mairead in West Cork to say Patricia it was lovely to hear Liam O'Connor on your programme this morning he is fantastic and great to hear that he's back out on the road again looking forward to seeing him at some stage of one of his shows and if you've never been to a Liam O'Connor show well worth going along to see I saw I went to see him back in Killarney a number of years ago 
and I think I was the only Irish person that was of Americans in there and they just lapped it up. They absolutely loved it. You know, it's one of those moments where you just feel so proud to be Irish when you see the effect that music, song and dance can have on an American audience. It, it really was uh, lovely. Thank you, Mairead, for your uh, call. Now, talking of that, Mairead, let's go to our own Mairead Tuig, our news uh, reporter, who yesterday went off to see the groups across Cork who've been organising collections of people in Ukraine in recent days and the convoy that we spoke about that was leaving yesterday with the wonderful Katrina Toomey on board and she mentioned Katrina mentioned to us yesterday that they would be leaving from Kennedy's Quay in the city centre yesterday afternoon so we sent our own news reporter Mairead Toomey down uh, to take a look because seemingly loved ones were there watching as all the vans uh, headed off. My name is Chris O'Donovan I'm a search coordinator Cox City Missing Person Search and Recovery I suppose apprehensive I suppose in one way but we know there's people on the other side that need it a lot more than we do, so we'll go and we'll do whatever we can to help them out. We have 11 travelling, five volunteers of Coxley Missing Persons, all going out in their own capacity. We're not going out as Coxley Missing Persons, just all like minded people. And we have Katrina and Tom from Penny Dinners, and we have Don O'Keefe from the Evening Echo Travellers as well. But everyone has to drive. You can't travel unless you drive, that's the key to it all. We're bringing uh, medical supplies, baby food, nappies, a lot of chocolate and stuff. We were told to bring chocolate bringing tents, sanitary items, we're bringing shower gels. So there's a lot of refugees, so what we're doing is we're, we're, we're trying to get in as far as we can to the border. If we can get over the border, we'll do that. But at the moment, we're being told that it's very volatile out there at the moment on the border. So we, we're dealing with the redemption order in Ukraine, and they seem to have a f- their finger on the pulse of what's going on inside there, so we'll be led by them. And a lot of family members I take it and friends here today to wave you off. What's the, the feeling there? Oh, just apprehension, to be honest. A bit of excitement, I suppose. Nervous, I suppose nervous excitement, to be honest. But my wife knew that I was going to be coming here because the minute that it started on the telly, she said, I know you're going to go because we've done this a lot of times there with Dan, Dan Cairns. And um, we, we, we were watching the television happen and we, it was unfolding and we said, we'd have to do something. So we got one van. Then one of our other lads said he wanted to go. We got a second van. Then I rang Katrina to see if, we, if she had stuff to fill the van that she, she'd like to go. So... And Katrina got involved in them. We hired two other vans in the last two days to bring the stuff out. And we have another five van loads to go. So when we come back, depending on what way the, the situation is outside and it's changing by the minute, we'll, we'll assess then and we might bring out an article. It all depends. But we've access to all those things anyway. I am excited to get on the road now because there's a lot of planning gone into this. There's a lot of hard work, very long hours, and people, you know, working so hard. And it's all here now and looking at what's around me, you know, the... I suppose all the hearts on the Lee and all the hearts in Ireland are broken by what they're seeing, you know, in Ukraine. And we're going to go out there as one heart to bring, I suppose, aid and medical supplies, food, warm clothing, tents and sleeping bags to people that, that are suffering greatly at the minute and that are living in fear. So I think when we get there, as I said, it'll be one heart reaching out to all the hearts in the Ukraine. The volunteers in Penny Dinners, I was over a while ago, and they had a sing-song and everything for me, like, over. And um, it's just incredible. I, I, and the families are here, and I suppose there'll be lots of tears. They're trying to keep up, you know, stop from crying, and I'm very emotional as well because I'm going to miss them so much, like mine are always in my ear. And, <laughs> and it's just that... Uh, they're all standing over there and just looking at them. They're, they're, they're scared and they're petrified for me and everybody else that's going out there. All their families feel the same way. But, you know, they're telling us they're proud of us. But the messages that we're getting from family all over the world is 
go out, we're proud of Reba Hurry back. And I suppose we should thank the city for and the county for what it's after doing for the people of the Ukraine. They came out, you know, en masse, and they just came together and put this together for us. It was very easy to do because once people knew we were going, they just came in their droves, and they're still coming. So when we come back, we're planning another one, and we're, we're going out. I hope through the France, through Belgium, Germany, Poland, and Ukraine. And when the idea about going over came up, what were you? What were your thoughts? I just joined. Let's organize. The, I just joined the team. And are you nervous? No. Uh, the atmosphere here now is building up uh, to um, say farewell to the volunteers of Penny Cork Penny Dinners, um, uh, who are travelling to Ukraine to bring um, the Irish, I suppose, and the Cork support to the people of Ukraine. Um, and I just want to pay tribute to everybody. Um, on behalf of the Lord Mayor, Council Colin Keller, and deputising for him today here at this event, and just to wish them a safe journey themselves, um, and uh, and that when they get there, they will bring uh, the the spirit of Cork to the people of Ukraine uh, by uh, the donations that have been given to the people of Cork. Um, this is an incredible journey to take on uh, at this time of the year and to interface with the people of Ukraine who are suffering at this time. So I'm um, very proud uh, of all of Katrina and all of the team and we wish them a safe journey and, uh, and return home to us safely. Well said. That was Councillor Tony Fitzgerald who was deputising yesterday for the Lord Mayor uh, Colm Kelleher just ending that report from Kennedy Key with our news reporter Mairead Dewey. And thanks to uh, Mairead for going down and chatting with the uh, the guys and gal. I think Katrina is the only female travelling. I'm open to correction uh, on that. But wonderful to hear once again Katrina, Katrina Toomey uh, speaking. I almost got emotional listening to her. Particularly, you know, they're going out one heart reaching out to the whole of Ukraine. But as she said, she's family members sending her messages, you know, go out, get out there safely and hurry back. I mean, that's what we want more than anything. Godspeed to each and every one of them that's on that team going out from uh, Cork. Now, we are hoping to put a call through to Katrina later on in the week just to see how it's going, because it's going to be, she reckoned it's going to be late on Friday evening before they actually get to their destination, which is the Redemptorist Priests, to offload uh, everything. And then they're hoping to, with the empty vans, to go locally in Poland into Lidl's and Aldi, kind of big supermarkets, and stock up on what they think is needed there. They'll find out what is needed, because obviously they've gone with, people have given the money, they've fundraised money, uh, with them so we wish them God speed and let's all of them keep Katrina and the rest of the gang on that very special convoy heading out from Cork yesterday let's keep them all in our thoughts and prayers over the next uh, few days and let them deliver with from one heart reaching out to the whole of Ukraine all those items that have been donated and talking about donated items the CYMS in Newmarket have been on to say they're open at the moment to the general public if anybody wants to donate blankets non-perishable food items etc. They have a truck leaving Newmarket for Ukraine borders and they're leaving on Saturday so they have a couple of days left and a little bit of space left in the van if anybody wants to donate in the Newmarket area. Let's take a break though and let's come back and talk gardening with uh, Peter Dowdle so you can call if you have a gardening question to 0818 103 103 text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103 
Cork Today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Peter Dowd of the IrishGardener.com joins us for a bit of armchair gardening, I'm thinking, today with the way the weather is. Uh, good afternoon to you, Peter. I think it kind of has to be armchair gardening today, <laughs> Trish. I don't think uh, I don't think even the, the hard. But I, I but the one thing I was saying earlier, Peter, was the weather was so gorgeous at the weekend. Saturday and Sunday were just beautiful spring days. It was lovely. We've had some lovely weather, and hopefully, this is just a temporary aberration and kind of changing of the season stuff, and we go into some lovely weather again soon. Hopefully. Okay, so it is a chance when the rain stops uh, to get back out into the garden. But the amount of rainfall that we've had, the ground is going to be fairly sodden, isn't it, after the last few days? It is. It's going to be pretty saturated. And I've had a couple of people asking me today about planting their the kind of summer roots like dahlias and peonies and lily bulbs. And like Last week I would have said it's probably a bit too early in terms of the cold, but this week I certainly wouldn't plant any of your summer perennials like that out in this wet soil because you're going to have to wait for it to dry out. It is, as you say, it's going to be absolutely saturated after today. Uh, and I, I imagine we'll probably see floods around the place. Um, so it's certainly you're going to have to wait for the soil to dry out a bit before planting any of the summer stuff. Um, and as regards stuff that's already in there, you're just going to have to hope for the best, I think. Okay, Miriam says, uh, Hi Peter, I was hoping to send my hubby into the garden this weekend to cut the grass. Has he got a bit of reprieve because our gra- our lawn looks quite waterlogged at the moment? Yeah, well, it, it, he can cut away now, no problem. But um, except when it's waterlogged or frozen. So in other words, time of the year, we're fine to be cutting the grass. But like, if it's waterlogged, you're just going to leave, you know, tire tracks and marks and, and, and divots in the lawn. So when it's physically waterlogged or frozen, don't. But apart from that, you're OK. Yeah, I did. Certainly at the weekend with the, with the two beautiful days we had, I, I did hear lawnmowers going and I got that smell. I love that smell of freshly cut grass. Yeah, it is gorgeous. It's, it's, it's summertime. And I suppose one thing to, uh, well, it's not summertime, but it's reminiscent of summertime. But one thing to just bear in mind at the moment, and this comes up every year this time of the year, in terms of cutting the grass, try not to cut it too low. If you do want to cut it, that's fine. But try not to cut it too low because a lot of the dandelions that are in your lawn that you might be calling weeds, but they're, they're, they're in full flower. They're very, very important to the bees. So Please don't pour chemicals on them, uh, and if possible, leave it, leave it, leave the grass a bit longer to let those dandelions flower, so the bees, the, the bees can, can feed on them. And seemingly, the very first daffodils of the season are the ones that are really important. I read that somewhere. I don't know if it's true or not. The, well, for the bees, unfortunately, daffodils are, are useless. Sorry, not daffodils, dandelions. Dandelions, I should oh, have said. The da- yeah, the yeah. dandelions, absolutely, yes. The dandelions, yes, because uh, they're in full flower before anything else you see, before, or not, not anything else, but before there's much else. So that's why they're so important, because there's little enough. The, the, the bees are coming out of their hives now to forage. Uh, I'm no expert on bees, I, I, on, the, on the actual ecology of them, but somebody else would explain it better. But I know a lot of the, I don't know, is it the worker or what type of bee goes out now at the start of the season to forage. Uh, and there's little enough out there for them. And dandelions are a hugely important one at this time of the year. So try not to see them as a weed and try not to, to remove them at all costs. 
Okay, and like me, grow to love the daisies. That's what that's what you need to do. The reason I mentioned daffodils was there was a I'm reading it, seeing a question here in front of me to do with uh, daffodils. Hi, Peter. I'd early flowering daffodils. They've all flowered at this stage. Uh, the leaves are starting to look a bit tattered, particularly after all the rain of the last uh, few days. What do you suggest I do with the leaves that are left over? The thing to do with them really, Trish, is actually nothing. Just let nature take its course and, and do its thing. So so the goodness and the chlorophyll and everything that's in those leaves will die back and go back into the, the base of the plant, into the bulb, which is the food reserve for next year's flowers and leaves. So really do nothing. Um, you do see some people, particularly later in the season when the daffodils go over, kind of tie them up into bunches and, you know, that. There's nothing wrong with that, but it, it all seems like a whole. It's always seemed like a whole pile of work for me. Just for leave them, leave them die back naturally. Uh, give them a couple of weeks. Don't don't be inclined to, to cut them off when they're still green for tidiness because it it will it affect the, the quality of the plant for next year. So just let them die back naturally. Okay, back to bees. Uh, good afternoon, Peter. Says Mike in Bantry. I'm thinking of buying a honey bush shrub. Are they any good for bees? Honey bush. Uh, by, this is the reason I, I go back to Trish this is the reason we use Latin in horticulture it's not, not so we can sound like we know what we're talking about but, but because what I call a particular plant it's international the language is international so depending on what you call the honey bush uh, I imagine it, it, because it's a common name it could vary you see from parish to parish but uh, I imagine the fact that it's got its common name, the honey bush, is because it is good for, for bees and for it's probably filled with nectar. So it could be something like Euphorbia mellifera, which is the, the honey Euphorbia, um, which is very good for bees. So it, uh, I imagine the honey bush that the caller is talking about has got its common name for that very reason. Uh, but I, I, unfortunately, I don't know exactly which bush we're talking about. Because something like honeysuckle. Is that good for bees? You would imagine it is. Oh, honeysuckle, exactly it is. Yeah. Honeysuckle is, Lanistra, it is very good. And as I say, the honey euphorbia, the mellifera, um, they are. And I imagine the plant that we're talking about, it could well be that euphorbia that I mentioned that he's talking about. But as I say, if, if, if it's got its common name for, for uh, if honey is in the common name, it's most likely for that reason. Yeah. And that's what we all need to be planting. We need to be keeping an eye on the bee population. Uh, Dick was in nice and early with this. Hi, uh, Patricia, could you please ask Peter, is it possible to buy a 20 kg bag of lawn gold anymore? I only ever seem to be seeing a 10 kg box of it nowadays. And by the way, the 10 kg box this year is nearly the same price that the 20 kg bag was last year? I The short answer is I don't know. You'd want to check with Hygieia who manufacture Lawn Gold up in Galway. Uh, I don't know, but I would have thought they were still doing the bags. Uh, in terms of price, I have, I have absolutely no idea, but I imagine it's like, as we all know too well at the moment, the price of everything is just skyrocketing. Um, but I don't know is the short answer whether the 20 kg I would have thought the bag was still available but I honestly don't know but Hygieia in Galway who manufactured on gold would be the, the company to get on to contact them uh, uh, Hi uh, Peter what would be the best feed to put around my roses after pruning them I don't have access to any farmyard manure <laughs> she she preempted my 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 first answer. <laughs> good mulching, roses love mulching with farmyard manure. Good rotten farmyard manure. They roses are, are 
what I call hungry feeders, Trish, and that the more you feed them, the better they'll do. Uh, and it's always about feeding the soil. So the more you can improve the soil, and that's why I go to things like farmyard manure, even seaweed, to add Vulcan, to add uh, humus to the soil, so the earthworms and everything. So the, the, the soil can really do its magic the more you add to it. Um, but in terms of a plant food, I think probably the best one of all of them is the liquid one, the Goulding's one. It's Goulding liquid rose food. It's another Irish one, but it's a very, very good one. So after pruning, do eat even your own homemade compost, anything that you can mulch around the plant to improve the soil will, will benefit the roses. But in terms of a specific rose food, I would go for the Goulding's liquid. Marie in Ballinlock is wondering, what is the best seed to plant to grow a new lawn? She's also wondering when she sets the new lawn, does she need to cover the lawn seed so the birds won't be at it? No, you don't. First of all, you don't cover it. No, you can kind of stand it in or roll it in if you want. But if you cover it, you see that the seed won't germinate. It's too small. It's too thin. Um, now, there is a balancing act then to do. To, you do have to keep an eye on the birds, of course, from, from eating it. But if you put a sprinkler on it, now obviously you don't need any sprinklers in today's weather. But if you put a sprinkler on it after you've sowed it, that will help to keep birds away as well. Um, in terms of which seed to use, you kind of go to the agriculture mix, which is what's called the number two mixture, which is a good multi-purpose general lawn, and most uh, lawn mixes the market will be based on the number, what's called the number two number of agriculture recipe, if you like, um, and that, that, that makes perfect lawn a perfect lawn. If it's particularly a shaded area or particularly something like that, or a specific type of area, there are specific mixes, like the Department of Agriculture, I think it's the number one one mix is for for it's either number one or number three is for shade uh, and then if you want a high quality ornamental it's the other one number one or number three if you know what I mean but for 99% of our lives it's number two the number two, the mix, number two. which is uh, is what you'll find in any multi-purpose launches yeah. Okay your line is starting to fade so we'll leave you go there and we'll talk to you next week uh, Peter in the meantime thank you for that and hopefully it'll be a sunnier day next Wednesday when you join us and he's gone. It's just, Please God. Thanks, Trish. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. He's there at the end. That is uh, Peter Dowdle at theirishgardener.com. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara, who produced Nick Richards, is with you for the afternoon. Please be careful if you're out and about on the roads because there still seems to be a lot of surface water and any snow that did land is starting to melt and get slushy. So do be careful. Talk to you tomorrow at 10 on to the Patricia Messenger. Right today today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. Want great advice? You know who to talk to. CMIG.ie. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. 